You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. It's really something to behold here, but um, if you take a look at how overbought this sector is, how overbought the, the miners are, a lot of these juniors still haven't caught up to where they were back in 2016 when they last peaked, when gold was, uh, when, when gold peaked out at 1375 an ounce. I mean, a lot of these juniors still haven't caught up to there, and some of them have caught up and passed it, but they're still trading nowhere near in, re in relation to the gold price where they should be trading in, in relation to what they haven't already proved up in the ground right now. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. Today's show is brought to you by GR Silver Mining. GR Silver is advancing silver and gold assets in the Rosario District in Mexico. To learn more about the company, go to grsilvermining.com and you can find the ticker in Toronto under GRSL and in New York on the OTCQB under the ticker GRSLF. Well, I'm joined again with my friend David Erfley over at JuniorMinerJunkie.com. And David, when we spoke about a month ago, in fact, the last two months, the word to investors has been be right and sit tight. Is that still the word to investors? <laughs> Absolutely, Bill. Um, you know, uh, if, if you have some big winners, obviously, uh, you should be taking some profit off the table right about now as things get really overstretched here on the upside. Uh, gold's in a runaway market here. And um, I know uh, $2,000 is a big round number. I expect to see a lot of volatility here. But uh, a day like today uh, is very interesting in, in the U.S. stock market and in, in as far as the, uh, the juniors are concerned. Uh, it's a civic holiday in Canada right now today. Yet, um, a lot of these OTC traded juniors in the U.S. are up quite a bit this morning, even though the gold price, gold and silver are, are down a little bit, and the GDX and GDXJ continue, continue to consolidate their recent gains. So this tells me that the juniors still have a lot of catching up to do, and you do not want to sell your core positions here. Uh, taking profit uh, on the way up is never a bad idea. I would I, I, I would never advise against that. But holding your core positions here is is paramount to to doing well in this sector in the in the long term. On the days when the juniors are trading on the OTC New York, but there's no trading on the TSXV, we do see these kind of huge arbitrages. So would you not? Um attribute the action on the OTC you see in the juniors to arbitrage, but potentially U.S. retail demand? Yes, I think it's, it's it, it has a lot to do with U.S. retail coming into this sector and discovering it for the first time. Um, you know, the retail has been out of this sector for the past eight years. Um, junior, uh, junior resource speculators and investors, us, har uh, us, us hardcore diehards have been trading amongst ourselves basically for the past eight years as in 2012, 2013, these uh, retail investors exited this sector in mass as the, as the GDX went down 85% in four years. So that completely wiped out um, uh, the, the, the retail market into this sector. So they're starting to come back now. And um, it, this sector is very tiny. It doesn't take a lot of retail investment to really push these things up. And that's that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, you know, all, a lot of these millennials have opened these Robinhood trader accounts, and uh, they, they're starting to discover this sector. 
you know, as as they see that uh, this probably won't be a, a, a V-shaped recovery in, in, in the U.S. So they're, they're, they're shying away from these bankruptcy stocks that they were getting into and these other uh, – bigger stocks, U.S. equities that they were getting into. They see the the gold price uh, making all these headlines about being uh, at all-time highs and in blue sky territory. Uh, so basically anybody that's ever bought an ounce of gold now is in the money. So these are making headlines and these and these millennials are, are, are seeing this. And with the U.S. Uh, about to uh, announce another uh, stimulus package and, and give out more checks, to millennials, uh, I expect them to put uh, a lot of them to put that check into their Robinhood accounts, and it can find its way into some of these tiny juniors. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's really something to behold here. But um, if, if if you take a look at how overbought this sector is, how overbought the the miners are, a lot of these juniors still haven't caught up to where they were back in 2016 when they last peaked when gold was. Uh, when, when gold peaked out at 1375 an ounce, I mean, a lot of these juniors still haven't caught up to there. And some of them have caught up and passed it, but they're still trading nowhere near in, re- in relation to the gold price where they should be trading in, in, in relation to what they have already proved up in the ground right now. Dave, if you're going to enter into a new position in one of the junior miners, you often have focused on the GDXJ to time your entries. But because we're in such a raging bull, does the GDXJ, its usefulness in timing ent- entries become less useful and you kind of just have to look at the company individually now? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not useful at all right now. You see, the GDXJ, although it has a, a J at the end of it that stands for juniors, um, there are relatively few juniors in the GDXJ. It's mostly mid-tier, smattered with some senior uh, mining companies, but the retail sector still uses it as as a guideline to 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 uh, as as a barometer for for the junior sector. So what you're seeing today is a good example of how it's not a, a, a good guideline anymore. Is a lot of these juniors are going up despite the GDXJ consult, consolidating its gains. So you have to base each junior separately. On, on, to time your buys and sells and not on the sector. For example, if you're waiting for the sector to correct, which it's doing right now, and you see something that you, you've, you've discovered a, a, a junior that looks really good, but it, it seems like it's, it's overbought, but, look, but what you need to do is you take a look at the valuation and it's and the valuation in relation to the price of gold and, and the valuation in relation to how many ounces they've already proved up and and things like that of that nature so you base each each uh junior you're about to purchase on its own merit not on what the gdxj is doing or, or what you feel it is about to do and because you're seeing what well, right now you're seeing the gdxj has been consoli- consolidating its gains for the past week and a half or so while a lot of these juniors continue to go higher so people are going down in the food chain. And on that note, are you thinking about selling any of your royalty companies or something like that to potentially get a higher beta play right now? Yes, I've already done that. Uh, I've, I've already rotated um, a royalty play gains in, uh, in two companies into uh, higher risk uh, developers that are developing high margin projects that have already defined a large resource. Because I, I, th- I think that once this M&A finally begins to pick up again, I think it's going to probably start to pick up in, into year end. 
these majors, they're going to be looking for projects that are close to the finance stage or at the finance stage and uh, that are in a good jurisdiction that, ha- that, that the company's already proved up a large resource and, and the resource has blue sky potential and it's contained in a district scale size land package. So um, I think uh, the royalty companies now will, will lag and the juniors, the higher risk juniors will outperform. So I only I only hold one more royalty play right now, which I'm going to keep, which is Sandstorm. I think that's one of the best, and I still think it's a little undervalued here. That's that's one I'm I'm, I'm going to keep. And you also like the mid-tier growth-oriented producers as the bull market continues to progress. Oftentimes we see 90% of the gains in the last 10% of the move. So will you trim out some of those mid-tier growth-oriented producers and go into the smaller juniors, or are you going to keep some of those throughout the whole cycle? I will keep these throughout the whole cycle. I, I like these growth-oriented producers and Sandstorm as a solid base for my portfolio because, as you know, Bill, being a being a subscriber, uh, all my money is, is in juniors right now. So my my portfolio is basically my savings account. I will trim on the way up, but uh, I will not I will not sell my core my my core positions unless something happens specifically within the company that 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 uh, that basically uh, deems that I should do so. You know that, that, that if, if a company starts doing something wrong that I don't like, then I'll go ahead and switch it out. But uh, as far as as far as my core positions are concerned, I'm very comfortable with the ones I hold right now, and um, I have been taking some profits recently because uh, I have a I have a rule that if if a company becomes ten becomes ten percent of my portfolio, I will take some profits, and that happened recently with one of my juniors, and uh, there's another junior that came out with with some uh, it, that was a drill play. It was a very high risk drill play, and uh, the results weren't to my liking. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take my profit in that one and rotate it into something else as well. Sometimes it just takes a fresh set of eyes and new management on an old project to make it successful. A poster child example is Integra Resources and the great work that they've been doing these last couple years. But when you have a legacy project with known issues, whether it's environmental or refractory ore or something, just a lot of baggage on the project. But then what seems to be a good management team takes over that project in a bull market like this. What are some things that you would want to see for you to consider potentially investing? Well, first, I would I, I would I would like to see the track record of the management team that's doing it. Um, and also, I'd like to speak with them to find out what they saw in this project, because um, I'm very familiar with with with, with the sector and all um, and, and most of these projects. So if I see something like that happen. Then I'm going to say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, what's what do you see in this that all these other previous ownership or management teams didn't see? So um, yeah, I'd be I'd be very careful about getting into that because you want what you want to hold right now, Bill, is you want to be comfortable holding something for the next two to three years. So uh, you want to make sure that these these companies that you're going to hold for the next two to three years warrant you you having that faith in them to hold them because let's face it right now the the sector is extremely hot it's the hottest sector on the planet right now so um, a lot of these turkeys are starting to fly so you want to make sure you get into the right ones you don't want to hold something that is just being pumped up by a newsletter that really doesn't have the goods or they've they've spent a lot of money on promotion and uh, the wrong people are getting into it 
So you want to you want to you want to make sure that there's strong hands holding these stocks with you for the next two to three years. In our last conversation a month ago, Dave, we talked about how some companies like Osino Resources were taking advantage of the ability to finance their projects, even if they didn't need the money at that moment. Another company that did a massive raise was O3 Mining, an exploration and development project, and they raised $40 million in a bought deal. And when I saw the headline, I thought to myself, I wonder if they over-diluted at this point in the cycle. Do you have any commentary here you could share? Oh, sure. I'm, I'm a shareholder and um, I didn't see it as over dilution because the, the, the share structure was still very tight even after that huge, huge raise. And I know the CEO, um, Jose Biscara, Jose is, is, um, is, is a huge shareholder and he's been buying a lot in the open market. And I pretty much paid about what his average cost was, so I feel very comfortable in holding that stock for for the long term. And they've they've uh, accumulated a very large land package in the Valdor area, which is one of my favorite jurisdictions. So, and they're about to have a PEA coming out on one of their resources right now, uh, uh, very very soon. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be within the next few months. So, yeah, I mean. Uh, if if you see something like that, you you definitely want to look at dilution. I mean, uh, as 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 a possible problem. But uh, as long as strong hands take those shares and the retail float is still pretty low, which which in O3's case is. I mean, there's there's not a lot of retail out retail float out there in that stock and what stock they they have there. It's 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 pretty tight. So um, it's 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 got a lot of room to move once the retail. Uh, what your the retail investor finds out about this stock, which I don't think they really have. It really hasn't moved very much. So I think this this one is is still in, a, in an accumulation zone here. Um, and like I said, I, I do own shares and I do cover the stock in my newsletter. Gold's at, a, at an all-time high, as you said earlier in our conversation, yet silver is uh, and it would need to double from here to even reach an all-time high. But when we last spoke, silver was $18 a month ago. Now it's nearly $25. So when you're looking at potential silver junior investments, Perhaps would you lower your requirements for what you would, uh, you know, expect from a junior in terms of quality? Because you just know that in the silver bull market, like you said, all the turkeys fly. <laughs> That's true, but uh, I still, you know, I, I still, I, I still want to be comfortable in, in holding these things. If I see something that that I, that um, is is a is an earlier stage drill play, and uh, it's been pumped up a lot, and the stock has really gone exponential especially before they've even drilled anything. You have to be very careful of things like that. And silver is, you have to be even more careful in silver because there's not that many of them that are really worth investing in as far as I'm concerned. So you really have to do your due diligence in silver because uh, your, your biggest gains will most likely come from silver, from the from the, from the, the carefully chosen silver stocks that, that you accumulate here within the next, you know, two or three years if you're accumulating now, because um, the, the, this happened last time uh, uh, with me during during the, uh, the last bull market. My two biggest winners were silver companies. So um, you just have to be very careful in your due diligence and make sure you're, you're strong enough to hold through the volatility because the silver market is, is even more volatile than gold. And if you jump into something that's already had a huge move, just expect 
at some point, you're going to see at least a 50% correction. Dave, uh, with the people you're talking to, what are you hearing or what are you observing in your own analysis regarding potential mergers and acquisitions within the sector? I've talked to numerous people, including an interview published on this podcast last week with Ross Beattie, where he said M&A is kind of at a standstill because a lot of these banks and companies can't do their on-site due diligence. Uh, What are you hearing? M&A hasn't really heated up as of yet because these senior producers are remaining focused on demonstrating capital discipline rather than expanding their project pipelines. But on the other hand, the markets have really opened up to to fund a lot of these juniors. I mean, uh, the cash infusion into into this sector has been really incredible in the past few months. Capital raised by juniors in 2020 has already totaled $1.5 billion, up from $0.7 billion. That's twice as much as at this point in Q2 2020. Largest of quarterly raises by juniors since Q1 of 2012. And back in Q1 of 2012 was basically the end of the last bull market in the miners as, as uh, the retail exited this this sector in mass in 2013. So this is these are all vel- very telling statistics. It says that uh, the the, uh, the the retail investor is about to come back into the sector in mass, and I think it's already started. Dave, before we go, what's your observation with what's going on in the COMEX between the speculators and the commercials? Yeah, uh, the trading behavior has really changed in the gold space, with investors preferring to buy a physical as opposed to getting into futures contracts. Um, Traders issued the largest delivery notice on record on the COMEX. I think that they declared uh, their intent to deliver uh, over three and a quarter million ounces of gold against the August uh, COMEX contract last week. And 102 tons of gold were delivered to the holder of these expired futures contracts. And and the flip side of that, you've had uh, speculators, long positions, plunged 16.5% last week to round only 117,000 contracts. So while the gold price has been in a runaway market here, you're seeing physical being preferred over paper. And also, you've begun to see a short squeeze after gold cleared 1750 on a weekly closing basis over a month ago. As these swap dealers, which are basically commercials, uh, bullion banks and uh, producers, they're having to cover their short positions. So it's it's a really a perfect storm here uh, for, for for the gold price. And um, the the, the two thousand dollar mark is really close to being vanquished here. It's already been cleared uh, both overseas and at the COMEX just hasn't, we haven't seen a close over 2000 yet, which I think is is going to happen maybe this week. If you need advice and you're looking for investing ideas, perhaps you run your business or you work a job and you don't have all day to sit in front of the computer and research out new investing ideas in the junior gold sector, then head on over to juniorminerjunkie.com. This is what David has been doing full-time for 15 years, and he shares his advice and where he's investing his money to his subscribers. Get on his email list. He'll send you his weekly editorial, and if you'd like to reach out to him, there's also also a contact form there at juniorminerjunkie.com, and that's junkie with a Y. Dave, as always, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insights. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thanks again for having me on. 
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.